Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Just a word about uh, today's sermon, and in fact this month, we're using Stephen Geise's book called Mini Habits, and you might want to ask, well, like, what is a book, I mean, probably it would be in the self-help section, probably, rather than the spirituality section. And you might say, why are we covering that book this month? Well, it started about close to a year ago. We were actually in Practitioner 2, and we were reading one Ernest Holmes book, and I happened to be reading another Ernest Holmes book by my bedside at home, the founder of Science of Mind, and I noticed some similarities when he was talking about the idea of having habits and habitual thinking, both on the good side or the the positive nature of them, as well as the negative. And I thought, I wonder if this is like one of his themes. I had never really thought of Ernest Holmes as talking about habits before. And so I did a little research. In fact, I brought some of the research here today. It's like a big thing for him. In the Basics of Science of Mind, he said, the habit of silently blessing your money as you hand it over in any circumstance is worth cultivating. It carries with it an intangible value which will always bring you good. In his book, The Philosophy of Jesus, he said, what we need to do is eliminate the negative and accentuate the positive. In doing this, we shall gradually acquire the habit of affirmative thinking. Uh, The book I happened to have on my bedside uh, last fall when this started uh, was a new design for living, and I had underlined a couple places in there. Uh, One, he says, it simmers down to the essential fact that we should make a habit of entertaining in mind only those thoughts and ideas which we wish to experience in the outward world. And then later in the book, I highlighted the limitations we find encircling us have but one source. They spring from our habitual thought patterns. And so it occurred to me, I wonder if we actually spend enough time in figuring out how to change our thinking so that we can change our lives, right? That's the the thing that Nancy says every Sunday. Uh, Probably in any given month, you'll hear me say it a couple times as well. You can change your thinking and change your life. But how often do we talk about the processes required for actually changing your thinking? Not very often. So the book is called Many Habits. Stephen Geist will be using it this month. I'm going to kick it off today with talking about the, the paradoxical nature of habits. But first of all, uh, it's time for minor audience part, uh, participation. Guess how much, what percentage of our thinking is habitual, that, that we're not putting any conscious volition or actual choice into it? Oh, actually, I have good news for you then. It isn't, it isn't quite that bad. Uh, in, in, two, in two different studies, it says the average person, 45% of their thinking is habitual. So it's only half. Some of you were much higher than that. That's the good news. So, but even still, think about it for a minute. So half of your life is on autopilot. Half. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. (laughs) It's like when I read that, I sat down. (laughs) Half of our lives are not really 
consciously lived, and this was two different studies done by prominent universities, half of our thinking is habitual. Okay, now I'm going to make it slightly worse, and then I promise I'll make it better. (laughs) But the slightly worse part is they also did it for people who considered themselves under stress. Guess what the percentage of habitual thinking is for people under persistent stress? And they labeled that as work stress, relationship stress, anytime you're not feeling that you can be authentically you, and that occurs for some period of time. That's what they considered to be stress. 80%. 80%. So those of you who live lives with a a reasonable, or I should say unreasonable, amount of stress in it, you are only consciously living 20% of your life. Okay, now i got to make it better. All right. Now let's, let's just release that as best we can and we'll move on. But I do want to talk about habits are formed. So how did those habitual thought processes and therefore actions, how do they get formed? So I think the best way is an example, and I'll use myself. One of my habits, I get up in the morning and I make coffee. And I got to tell you, I'll use today as an example. I remember the alarm going off, checking the clock to make sure it wasn't a mistake. (laughs) And my next memory, my next conscious memory is me sitting on the sofa with my cup of coffee and my sweet dog Ivy with her head in my lap. Now, those of you who were at my divine dining party last night know that that's actually quite a feat, right? It includes going across uh, an entire upstairs, down a stairs, into the kitchen. The coffee's in the freezer. The coffee pot wasn't even plugged in because we had rearranged our kitchen for the party on Friday night and so on and so forth. And yet all of that completely done unconsciously through the power of my habitual thinking. Now, some of you are going, well, is that a bad thing? Maybe it's a good thing. Here's the paradox part of it. Our habitual thinking actually is a really good thing. Remember back, if you can, this might be a few years for some of you. Remember when you learned how to tie your shoes? Okay, well... For those of you with kids, (laughs) maybe it's easier. Remember when you had to show your kids how to tie their shoe, right? This was not something that was accomplished in a day unless you had a very precocious child. Normally, it will take a couple weeks of practicing with them and them getting frustrated with the whole process and practicing them some more, doing all the things you need to do to learn how to tie your shoes. But somewhere in that two-week time frame, right? Lesson learned, lesson perfected. Maybe for a few more weeks, the child is still concentrating on it, but knows how to do it. And then suddenly, magically, maybe a couple months later, there is no thought involved whatsoever. What if you had to learn how to tie your shoes every single time? You'd always be late for work, for one thing, right? Right? So 
on one hand, habits are super good, super important. We don't have to repeat figuring all that out every single time. And the way it works pretty simply is you, you perform an action or make a decision a certain number of times. It gets processed in your long-term memory in a way that's built in with a trigger. So in the case of tying your shoes, uh, it's simply you look down at the shoes that does the little trigger, and your brain just runs through a pattern without even thinking, without consciously thinking about it, and your shoes are tied. Or in the case of my coffee, it's become such a habit that I make coffee in the morning. Literally, as soon as the alarm goes off, it triggers that mechanism in my head, and I'm trotting downstairs, no problem, making coffee, and, and all of that is pretty automatic. And in most cases, this is a swell and good thing. In most cases. But what if you want your life to be different? Do we not have aspirations? Do we not have the desire to make changes in our lives? Either, either kind of remedial changes in terms of I want to change some bad habits, some things I do that are not really very honoring of my body or my soul or my authentic self. I want to be better at certain things. I want to improve my life in other ways. I want to maybe get a better job. And I got to tell you, uh, when those thought processes are simply triggered with the, the thousands and probably hundreds of thousands of little triggers we have in our mind that cause the uh, automatic thinking to occur and the automatic actions to occur, when that happens, we are very unlikely to be able to make the changes that we want in our lives. Guess how many New Year's resolutions actually are accomplished? 6%. 6% of New Year's re national survey done, 6% of New Year's resolutions come true. So why is this? Well, the theory is that forming habits is purposefully forming new habits or undoing an old habit is simply much harder than we thought. And it isn't because of our lack of willpower. It isn't because of uh, our lack of commitment to our goal. The trouble is we're simply going about it wrong. So there's nothing wrong with our brain. There's nothing wrong with the process. Things are the way they are. You can accomplish this, but we're going about it wrong. First of all, one uh, maybe misperception, how long do you think it takes to form a new habit or undo an old habit? All right. Today, you have to wait for the answer through today's joke. I know, I'm getting sneaky. I'm getting sneaky. So it's the middle of the night and there's a knock on the door. The man struggles out of bed, puts on his robe, goes to the front door. He opens it and there's a tiny snail trying to get his attention on the doorstep. Hi, says the snail. I'm selling vacuum cleaners and I wonder if you'd like a free demonstration. Well, the man is not happy, not happy at all about being woken up in the middle of the night. Frankly, he picks up the snail and throws it as far as he can out in the yard, slams the door, goes back to bed. Two years and 23 days go by, and there's a knock at the door. The man turns off the TV, goes to answer it. There's this small snail trying to get his attention. 
Wow, says the snail, that was intense. I bet your floors are really dirty by now. <laughs> you, you did catch the two years, 23 days, yeah. That, in a survey that they did of people who were successful in forming a new habit, that was the outside limit. Some people did it as soon as 14 days, but many people took a very long time to do it. And that outlier on the other, the, so 14 days was an outlier on the how short it could be. That longer one, the two, whatever it was, two. Oh my gosh, you've memorized it. You're scaring me. That was the outlier on the long side. The average was 66 days. But guess how many fell into the average range? Only a handful. So it's really a huge spectrum based on guess what? Definitely you, but based on your resistance to the change you want to make. So let me use uh, uh, me as a, another example. I think it was maybe three years ago, uh, my New Year's resolution, which I'll just tell you right now, went out the window, I think in week three, uh, was to go to the gym five days a week. I hate going to the gym. I don't even have a gym membership. I don't like exercise to begin with. <laughs> I, know, I know you all think of me as energetic and lively, but you know, people have used the phrase couch potato. So, so, so here's the couch potato making his goal to be exercise consistently at least five days a week. See, it, the resistance level to that is so high that my chances of achieving that are close to zero. So the book we're using this month is very detailed in how we can be successful. It isn't that my goal was bad. It wasn't that my goal wasn't achievable. It wasn't that I have the motivation, right? I would love to have more energy. I would love to be fit. It would be fun to fit in clothes that were smaller size. I mean, all of you, I'm sure, could give me a list of the 35 reasons why being more fit would be a good thing for me, right? It's not that the goal was bad. It's that my approach to the goal was bad. So what we're going to learn for the rest of this month is this idea of mini habits and how you can take a big goal down and make it into something smaller. Let me do a short reading from here, and then I'll give you some examples. Actually, the reading even has a, a couple examples that will give you an idea. He says, since I refer to many habits throughout this book, I want to briefly explain the concept. A mini habit is basically a much smaller version of the larger habit you want to form. 100 push-ups a day is minimized into one push-up a day. Writing a book, uh, which would imply writing 3,000 words daily, becomes writing a paragraph every day. So the idea here is we want to head ourselves in the direction that we want to go, including goals 
that can be quickly turned into positive habits of which we will have little or no resistance and which will give us some kind of benefit. So let me go back to my example of the, uh, of the better fitness and exercise. Because I know some of you are going, well, how could one push-up a day ever actually translates into fitness? But I got to tell you, think of the barriers I've just reduced here. First of all, I don't have to go to a gym. I can do a push-up. and I, Well, I'm not going to do it here, but I mean... <laughs> Oh, and don't you dare me. <laughs> don't you dare me. No, 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 no. Stop, stop. But, but honestly, right, you can do a push-up anywhere. You can do one push-up for sure anywhere. And think about adding it into one of the triggered habits you already have. What if I built that into my coffee routine in the morning? Now, I don't have any resistance to doing one of them. It would take very little time and effort for me to simply add one push-up. And, and because this is very low barrier, it's one of the things that might become a habit in as short as a couple weeks. But certainly no longer than the average of two months. If I simply remind myself every day, for the next two months to do a single push-up, I will have a daily exercise habit. I hope that rang like a bell in your head because this is the key. I now have a daily exercise habit. Now, how often do you think I'm going to do just one push-up? Now, that's my goal. So I'm going to do that every day. But why wouldn't I occasionally do more? Why, why wouldn't I recognize at some point, well, this actually isn't very hard, and since I'm doing one, why don't I do it until I get a little bit of a burn in my chest and arms, right? Now, I don't need to do that. That's like extra credit. That's like getting the gold star, right? And so, so I'm also rewarding myself often during the week because I'm exceeding my goal. Also, I'm guessing at some point, because it's just part of my habit now to do a bit of exercise in the morning, I might do some sit-ups as well, right? It is super easy to add on to and habit that you already have, in particular if it's allowing you to achieve your mental goals and make some progress towards your goals. So the idea here is to take your heart's desire and shrink it down to where you don't have any resistance to it, to where it can be effortless, to something you can simply sustain for the two months necessary to have it hardwired into your brain. Now, if all you did was that, if in the end it was just one push-up, that's still better than no push-ups. But I'm here to tell you, it's unlikely to end there because of that bigger goal is still in my head. And I can simply add more incremental things to it as I go. The author of this book had two particular issues in his life. One was he was indeed a couch potato. And judging by uh, some of the pictures, and if you Google him online, oh my gosh, it's like triathlete now. He did one push-up a day 
for about six months before it started expanding into something else. The other thing which is married dear to my heart, and I will tell you it works because I know it works and I didn't even realize I was doing the mini habit thing. And so a few years ago, I thought I was going to write a book. And I got to tell you, I never really got started at it because the thought of writing a book is huge. And even though I had ideas for it, even though I had some character ideas, even though I had lots going on in my head, it was just going to stick in my head. The thought of sitting down and writing, well, in my head, I figure, well, this will take six months. When am I ever going to, at best case scenario, where am I going to find six months to just sit down and write? That was how I was thinking about it. it was, that was like another New Year's resolution that I might as well hang my hat on. Instead, I started writing a page a day. And it was okay if at the end of the page I threw it away. My goal was simply to write a few paragraphs every day. Well, two novels later, I'm happy to say that now I can write several thousand words a day. It's not that hard. I enjoy it, but I would have never gotten there if my goal had been to write a thousand words a day or a novel or a chapter for the weekend. It has to become a habit, something with low resistance that you want to accomplish first. Okay, let's do a brief recap here, and then I'm going to assign you some naughty homework. So first of all, habits are both our best friends if you want to stay consistent and never change. Right? <laughs> They're our best friends, and when you're stressed out, they will be your constant friends. And in fact, we're going to learn in a couple weeks from now, one of the things you need to do, first of all, if you want to make changes in your life, is to get stress out of your life. Otherwise, 80 per, no matter what you try to do, 80% of your thinking and your actions will be habitual. It's just the way our stressed out minds work. So first of all, in a couple weeks, we're going to learn about that de-stressing component about it. Half of our actions are habitual more when we're stressed out. Changing habits takes time, and it's proportional to our resistance. It's proportional to the difficulty with which we perceive this new habit, this new change, this new way of being. And it's different for everybody. Even, even the same habit is different for everybody. Someone else might have said, well, going to exercise at the gym five days a week, where's your problem, Larry? It's like, get with the program. I enjoy my life, and that's part of it. You know, uh, for me, though, that represented a big hurdle, so I need to break it down. So it's for you to decide what seems onerous, and you'll know it by the resistance level. How easy is it to, to get into this? How, how easy is it to get into the thought of going back to school to get that, uh, finish that degree you want to do? How easy is it to move into that thought of applying for another job or, you know, or whatever it is that you want to change your life in? When you feel that resistance, that's when you know you need to break it down into smaller chunks. That's when you know that many habits are really going to save you. And then last uh, but not least, many habits are easy to build on. So once you establish the routine, oh sure, I pray every day. 
it doesn't matter that it started out with a one-line affirmation. I have an ongoing daily spiritual practice. If you want to make it saying a one-line affirmation to start out and work it into your, uh, uh, your you know, triggered by your getting up in the morning routine, that's perfect. That is perfect. And then we build on it. Once that's part of your habit, I do an affirmation every day. Then you turn an affirmation into uh, an affirmative prayer. Uh, then maybe you add five minutes of meditation. Or if, you're, or if, the, if that resistance to sitting in the silence washes over you, it's a minute, right? We can build on our habits, but they have to become habits first to be successful. Okay, on to homework. So who here thinks they are as good as they can possibly be? <laughs> All right. I was waiting for that one. And, and let me just say, I don't know you at all, but I agree. <laughs> all right. So this one is designed for you to bolster your own sense of, I can do this. I can become my most authentic self. And the homework is simply to, to, to create two positive statements about yourself each day from now for at least a couple months until it becomes a habit. Now, let me give you a couple ideas. I've been doing this for a week myself now. I'm choosing it to have it in my brush my teeth routine. I'm already in front of the mirror, and I'm a little mirror phobic. I'll be honest about it. So I thought this would be an ideal time. I'm brushing my teeth, and I'm saying, you look fabulous today, is one of my statements. You can choose alternative wording, obviously. <laughs> but at least my teeth are bright and shiny, so it's easier to say that and smile. And then I make an affirmation about the day. I know that I'm going to be successful and enjoy this day. So that's what I've been doing so far over the last week, trying this uh, experiment out on myself. What I know is, it's wonder, it this should just be a habit I have, right? Affirming that my day is going to be fabulous and that, that I'm looking good and powerful, absolutely. I want this to be a habit, and what I know is, I can even build on that if I choose, but why wouldn't I use that time when usually I'm oblivious to the world and on automatic brushing my teeth? Now I have put some of that completely autonomous you know, zombie-like behavior into something useful. All right, so that's your homework assignment. Create two positive statements about yourself each day this week. Keep it up for at least 60 days, and I will expect report cards from your parents. <laughs> I'm just saying, we got to get over this. All right, shall we pray? Yes. All right. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. There is only this one thing, and it is God. And because God is everything, because God is everywhere, I am forced to believe, know to believe that that means me. There's no escaping it. I am an individualized center of God's consciousness right now. And because of that, I know I have the total keys to the kingdom, all of God's love, all of God's joy, all of God's hope, all of God's dreams, the goodness of life, the abundance of life, whatever I could dream of in life is part of God and is flowing through me right now. And I know that there is in my human nature perhaps obstacles, perhaps old ways of being, perhaps old habits that don't serve me well. 
And I also know that I have the technology through my own brain, through the use of many habits, to make a change. And so today I stand up proudly and say, I'm going to use this new technique to make my life into more authentic, powered Larry. That moving forward, I choose to embrace newness in my life and I know how to do it. And as it is true for me, I know it is true without question for each person in this room, each person listening to our podcast has the power to bring into their lives the changes that they choose. And it's nothing that I've been doing wrong that has hindered me. It's simply that I've been approaching it wrong and now I know how. Now I understand the difference. Now I can break things into sizes that will not be met with resistance. I can choose to move forward in my life simply and in a small way that will make a big difference. And so today I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be here before you, uh, well-rested from vacation, enjoying this fabulous space with my friends and family and loved ones. Truly, life is good. Life moves forward and I recognize the possibilities of existence itself. In gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.com. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.